Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Here in the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter and Brian Backo, we are going to break it down for you because we got to talk about the Steelers coaching situation. Matt Canada, the question as far as what his status is, um, what what do the Steelers look at their coaching staff to change? You know, should do they need to change anything moving forward? What's the direction of the team with the coaches on hand? And if there is someone else, who who would you go get or would you go get someone right now? We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Steelers free agent situation. Who who are they looking? Who could they possibly lose if they don't to act, act soon uh, when free agency starts to open? And then of course, who could they target? And of course, Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll talk about all the games that are happening right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter and Brian Backo from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast. A show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. And we're here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Brian Bracco, breaking things down. Now the Steelers season is over. Brian, we were together last week looking at the Steelers, preview, previewing the Steelers' regular season finale. Things didn't happen, lining up for them in the other games, and now they're sitting waiting, on, you know, sitting watching the playoffs with the rest of us. But before we get into any of that, we got to talk about the Accuracy Fan Advantage. All season long, we brought you the Accuracy Fan Advantage. Myself, Brian, Jerry, Ray, we were breaking things down week after week after week. It was a great project from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, where you could use augmented reality to get an exclusive pregame breakdown each week. If you enjoyed it, please let us know. We'd love to bring it back for you next year, keeping things live for you right on the Accuracy Fan Advantage that was found at post-gazette.com slash Accuracy Fan Advantage where we got, you got a real edge on every week's action. Brian. Thank you, Accuracy. Thank you, and thank you, Akersher, for, for for doing that with us because that was an awesome project that we got to do every week. And shout out to Joseph for yeah, shout out yeah, shout out our guy Joseph who put those yeah. together. He he was spectacular. Order dice, uh, grad. By the way, um, shout out to my man Joe. But Brian, everyone's talking right now for the Steelers. What is the plan? with the offensive coordinator position specifically, you know, coaches wise, whether or not you're upset that the Steelers finished nine and eight and it's all Tomlin's fault or however you feel about this, everyone before anything else starts is there's some people that are in the camp that Matt Canada has to go. He is gone. It's just going to happen. Other people think that, well, they're probably not going to do it yet. They're not going to cut his contract off because he's on the roster for he's on this. He's with the Steelers for another year contractually. Just based off of the way that Tomlin addressed things on Monday when he spoke to you all at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex or anything else that you've kind of gotten your feel for, is there a sign that the Steelers are leaning either way with Matt Canada right now? I don't think so, and I guess we should note that we're recording this a little before 6 on Thursday evening, yeah. so who knows uh, what could change by the time you hear this on Friday. I know a lot of there's a lot of speculation out there that if the Steelers were going to make a move, they would do so by the end of this week. I'm not so sure of that, Chris. I, I think it it could be something that Mike Tomlin takes this entire week to evaluate and mm -hmm. even the weekend to decide if, if he ultimately does want to move 
to a new offensive play caller. So I'm not convinced that if Monday rolls around and there's no announcement that Canada is definitely back, but obviously we'll see. So I uh, just wanted to point that out that it's a fluid situation, as they say in our business. But, um, you know, I did get the feeling that he was not completely with his mind made up on keeping Canada Monday. Mm. You know, I thought a lot of his comments were much more wishy-washy than they were this time a year ago. I think he used the word encouraged uh, a year ago, talking about Canada. This year it was way more vague. Um, you know, he, he said that he was encouraged, I guess, by the growth and the progress. But how could how could you not be from 2-6 and six to 7-2? and two? So right. I don't have a great feel for where it's going to go. I, I think it could be a coin flip. But I've been, you know, I've been saying all year that I think – if you if you do go in a different direction, I don't necessarily buy this idea that you're going to set back the development of the offense or Kenny Pickett specifically as a quarterback if he has to learn a new system, new verbiage. Because number one, I think Pickett is really sharp and you wouldn't have to worry about him putting in the work to get a new playbook down. And you know that he would sink his teeth into um, you know whatever new schemes are coming with a new offensive coordinator. But the other part is, you know, not only has he played under a lot of coordinators already in his career and in pro style systems at Pitt and now with the Steelers, but you'd get to interview these guys. You would get to interview the replacements. You wouldn't have to go from speaking Spanish to speaking French. Uh, if you will, if, if you change coordinators, you could set out to hire somebody who's fairly similar in the big picture to what Matt Canada does and believes in but somebody that you think might just be better at it. So uh, I think it could go either way. It's obviously the biggest domino to fall to start this offseason, whether or not he is back. I think there are you know, good reasons for both sides for keeping him or moving on, and we will see what happens. I, I also think that you know a little bit lower on the totem pole in terms of stuff that people care about would be special teams coordinator Danny Smith. That could be a sneaky area in which the Steelers feel they can be better. They weren't very good in 2022, so maybe keep an eye on that as well. I think that's definitely something to look at there is Danny Smith's situation. He's been, I think, for the most of his time, he's been a he's been a good special teams coach. People forget before Danny Smith was hired, the Steelers' return, uh, you know, special teams return game was terrible. They were giving it was a revolving chance. door of coaches too, coordinators yeah. at that spot. Yeah. Yeah, he brought stability to the position. There were some letdowns this year that I will say, but you know, I think a lot of people are like he's the worst special teams coach ever. I'm like, okay, relax. There's a he's the, he's done a, he's he's had a long track record of success with the Steelers, and people get upset over one or two bad moments. But back to the Canada thing. Yeah, I I, I do look at the Steelers. You finished 26th in points scored, 23rd in in, in overall points. Um, but you know, I look I look at how this offense did grow in the end. And how much do you attribute that to guys executing the scheme? Najee Harris publicly stood up for Matt Canada when talking about things saying like, Hey, this was on us. We needed to execute better. We need to do our jobs. And, you know, I, I think you did see that when they started to do the jobs, the things came together. There were a lot of times where there were complaints made about play calls by fans. And I was kind of just looking at like, well, th- this play call may not have worked, but this guy was open over here. Or, you know, if it was a screen pass, this guy, if this guy makes this block, there's a scene there for a really big game. Or if this guy doesn't illegally go downfield, there's an opportunity here for a play. I do, I do think a lot of it came down to execution. But at the same time, you still look at it and you're thinking – 
you, you you need to see that execution you know from your guys you need a coordinator who's going to pull that out of his offense at times and yes there are just times it just comes down to results in the field you know you know what you know, you could call the right play you can lead a horse to, to water but you can't make him drink and sometimes you just don't got the guys to execute cons- consistently and i'd say that that was the case for most of the Steelers season but i think the question will be if everything comes back around next year, let's say they invest in two and get two superstar offensive linemen, draft free agency, whatever. Let's say they address the offensive line. They're a lot better next year. Najee Harris is a third-year player. Kenny Pickett takes a decent sophomore step, as does George Pickett. Deontay Johnson finally catches a touchdown again next year. Uh, you know, let's say all those things, Pat Farmer, all those things, things, all those things happen. But if the offense is still not getting, you know, starting to get to the, the middle part of the league and scoring, or getting even getting to the upper part of that. Everyone's going to start pointing the finger at Matt Kennedy again and be like, this is why we want it. We wanted to have gone in the first place. I will say the Steelers, I think in certain situations, they were advantageous. The Steelers finished with 44.9% on third downs. That was seventh best in the NFL this year. And I think a lot of it was because when, when they did execute, when they did win early down in distances, they set up third and short a lot. And they were able to convert those, especially on short distances when they were just kind of running the ball. It's the I best just, the Steelers have done on third downs offensively in like seven or eight years too, I think. Which is impressive considering who this team has been this year and who, and who their quarterback was. was. Yeah, for all that exactly. Time. So I just I look at this and I don't think that it's a done deal that he's gone the way some people think it is. And I also don't think that it not being a done deal isn't as heinous of a crime as some people make it out to be. I think it's just if part of it is the Steelers weighing. All right. What kind of look do we want to bring next year? You know, as far as the strengths that an offense that, uh, that an offense could bring and how you want to continue developing Kenny Pickett. Yeah, even though I'm on the record verbally uh, in print saying that I would make a change. Again, there are reasons to verbally. You know, <laughs> yeah, there are reasons to uh, to stick with it. I mean, not only do, do you maybe lean a little bit on how you finished up the season, but Mike Tomlin, you know, was really bothered by the slow start to this year. Uh, he, addressed, he addressed it a couple times on Monday, essentially saying we better learn from that. If there's anything we take from you know, sitting at home in January, even though we finish seven and two, it, it better be that we can't start like that again. So if that's something that's really high atop his list of concerns and he feels like making a change atop the offensive staff could set you back again early in the season and make it so that you do, uh, you know, have to take a little bit of time for everybody to click and gel, then maybe he does want to stick with Canada. Maybe he does want to continue winning games 24 to, to 20. Uh, as opposed to to trying to kind of outgun your Chiefs and your Bills and your Chargers in the AFC. Those are questions that, that only he can answer uh, if he has a dose of truth serum. So I, I get it if, if they stay the course. I'm generally someone who believes in continuity and stability too, but I'm also somebody who thinks that occasionally relationships run their course and things can get stale. And that's kind of where I think the Steelers' offense is even after showing um, you know, some encouraging signs at the end of 2022. I do think part of this is going to be, you know, if you want to establish a strength next year, you need, a, you need a coach who's going to establish that strength, who's going to push to establish that strength. You know, I think that they're going to try to still be a run first team next year. That doesn't put too much on Kenny Pickett, but I think they're also going to want to find ways to unlock Kenny Pickett's potential as a quarterback to kind of get more from him than what they saw this year. And I think what they saw this year was still what you want just, 
you know, the competitiveness, the fire, the, the, the stepping up in the big moments. But now you want to have a quarterback who doesn't just step up in the late moments, but or in the early moments to set better tones so that you can have that balance of complimentary football where the offense is putting up points and the defense is is keeping teams under check. In check, you think about some of those games, you know, the Steelers defense, I think, in 10 games this year, they held an opponent. No, no, excuse me, 11 games this year. They held an opponent under 20 under 20 points, and they lost, and they, and they won eight of those games. If they're if they're doing that in games and you're scoring more, they're probably 10-0 in those games next year if the offense is better. And that's what I think the Steelers have to look at is, was is Matt Canada the guy that you want to keep growing the offense? I'm with you. I think that removing Matt Canada in the middle part of the year, that would have been, that would have been too much, I think, on Kenny Pickett. Right. But now – all bets are off there. You, there's guys like Pep Hamilton. There's guys like Jim Caldwell. There's guys like Frank Reich. There's guys like Cliff Kingsbury. I wouldn't go his route. My per, my personal opinion, Nathaniel Hackett. But there's a bunch of offensive minds. And now, whereas before, when it was Ben Roethlisberger was was the quarterback and in his in his on his final legs, and we didn't know what the direction of this offense would be, and it didn't have an offensive line for the future, I, I can see a lot of offensive coordinators who were top tier being like, "Yeah, I'm okay not taking that job." But now you have the quarterback, a running back, multiple receivers, a tight end, and you're probably going to invest in this offensive line. I can see some big name offensive coordinators saying, "Hi, I'd like that job." And if you're the Steelers, I think it's tough to turn that down. Yeah, and you've got up and comers too, guys who have been quarterbacks coaches, absolutely under some of the best offensive coordinators and offensive play calling head coaches in the league. Absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit about the players that the Steelers need to keep around who could be lost to free agency as well as what they might need to do in free agency as, as a whole. We'll do that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, let me remind you guys about our great sponsors at Valley Pool and Spa. With the snow, it's coming back. It's about to get cold again in Pittsburgh, so stop playing around Pittsburghers. It's time to, it's time to go get yourself a hot tub or a spin spa or, or a sauna that will help you be comfortable in the house and, st- and stay nice and toasty and relaxed in your own house. You can get a Finlayo sauna that's going to melt the stress away faster than the Frosty in Aruba. Go to Valley Pool and Spa right now to see save big on all their in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and saunas at valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Brian Batko. Brian, let's talk about the Steelers pending free agents. There, uh, There is a significant list of them, 25 guys that right now are set to hit free, free agency. Um, and, you know, I look at that list and there are certainly some priorities of, of guys who I think that the Steelers should keep there. But who are the players that you're seeing that you're like, you know what, that's going to be, th- these, are, these are the guys that they absolutely must have back and that you think they actually will have back. Yeah. Big, big class, but not one that has as big a names as we've seen the last couple years, you know, last, mm-hmm. last season, Ben Roethlisberger ultimately retired, but first he was technically a free agent. Same with Juju Smith Schuster the year before that, Bud Dupree and, and Mike Hilton were and my, Matt Filer were very difficult decisions for the Steelers so you know there's not as many um you know big big names like that this year but there are some starters that you're gonna have to decide on one way or the other mostly on the defensive side of the ball I think uh, me and a lot of people I I would say that Cam Sutton is is at the top of that list because of how versatile he's been finished the season really strong as an outside corner which coming into this year we didn't necessarily know what his role was going to be after Levi Wallace was signed as a free agent 
turned out Akella Witherspoon via injury and ineffective play was the the odd man out uh, among that trio. So I, I think Sutton and Wallace, uh, I would definitely be interested in running it back with them if I'm the Steelers and maybe add a rookie into that mix, possibly even a first rounder that you wouldn't have to throw into the fire right away, but might have the ceiling. Larry Ogunjobi, if, if I could get him for the same price pretty much as I got him this year, Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd probably do that again. You know, he, he really came on strong toward the end of the season. Yeah. The health is is a problem for him. He didn't practice much, but when he played, he looked pretty powerful and and very helpful for that front uh, for that front seven. So those are those are two for me. The safeties, Terrell Edmonds and Demonte KZ. I guess that's the other area in which you've got a vacancy for a starting spot. Um, you know, I, you could maybe pit those two against each other a little bit. If you're Omar Khan and you have to take those hard line in, in negotiations, we know it's a business. Uh, Terrell Edmonds found that out the hard way this time a year ago. Didn't sign until right before the draft and a very modest deal. I think if you're the Steelers, you say, hey, we'll take either one of you. Um, if, if you're not willing to um, you know, do a pretty you know budget-friendly deal for us, then we'll go to the other guy. So, I mean, I, I think that I'd be okay bringing back one both uh, you know, one or both of those players, probably. I just think in terms of roster building, team building, with Minka Fitzpatrick as highly paid as he is now, you kind of need to cut costs a little bit with that other yeah. starting safety. Uh, so that that would be my approach there um, as far as most of the big free agents on defense. I think that Larry Ogunjobi, you're right, is a guy that you can have back. I think you still want to invest in a younger defensive lineman. Yeah, to, to yeah, for sure. Marvin Leal, but I'm with you that when he was healthy, Ogunjobi was a force. And I think it took time for him to be healthy and get into sync with Cam Hayward. But when they did, they were huge for stopping the run and getting after the quarterback. Um, and, and I think he could be part of your core next year. Uh, and again, one-year deal. You know, not overly expensive, just something that you that, that that you pay out. And you know, I agree with your your second year. Your your Cam Sutton, you got to have back uh, the guy. Can if 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 say say they go and get the corners of the future that they want next year. Not saying that they will, but let's say that he's still a guy that can either be your guy outside or your guy in the slot. You, yeah. I think that that him as a utility player and the way that he came on this year for them. I think that he and he's a leader in the locker room. Oh, absolutely! You can even throw him in as a as a third safety if you want to keep using that package. If you lose Edmonds and or KZ, so that's another good point, Chris Sutton has become such a leader for this team. He's he's not a captain, obviously. Um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick isn't even a captain, but he takes players like Trey Norwood under his wing, and I, I think he means a lot to that secondary. No, I agree with that entirely. There, Terrell Edmonds is is a peculiar case because I. I I feel you. They can't overspend at safety right now. They can. They, they, they've already paid Minka Fitzpatrick, and they have to balance the rest of the roster. Right. The big question, though, is can they sign just Terrell Evans to just a nice small deal and just be like, "Hey, Terrell, you're not a superstar. You're not going to get paid superstar money. We'll pay. We'll pay you this money to keep you around. To make maybe give him years. Money. Maybe give him. Maybe give him length on the contract. Exactly. And a little bit of and a little bit of security because you know he's been durable. He's still mm-hmm. a relatively young guy. Maybe that is kind of where they split the difference. If you give him a uh, a two or three year deal for less than he would want on a one year deal, maybe he's a he'll be twenty six years old, and you can you can do that, and you can bring him on, you know, maybe three year deal, like you said, 
maybe four-ish million dollars. That's about the, 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 the I think the, the cap hit that you had for like a Keller Witherspoon and those type of guys. I think you would take that as like that would balance out your safety position. You could also look at the Monte KZ on a, on a similar type of deal, maybe shorter term because he's a bit older. You know, he's um, you know, he's he's a, he'll be 30. So but I, I think that you want to keep those guys and you can keep those guys without pay, breaking the bank to do so unless you want to go and draft a safety this this year. Yeah, and, and that's reasonable, too, because then you get yeah, Nick yeah. Fitzpatrick's running mate on a rookie deal for for four for, years, for, for, possibly for, a fifth if, if it's a first round pick. Absolutely. Um, so I think those guys are absolutely targets, though. The question, though, I have for you, though, in regarding free agency before we roll into Super Wildcard weekend, yeah. what's the primary position that you think that they're going that they should or going to and or going to target in free agency to address like the veteran spot where you just you know what? Just be damned with the positions that we're looking at in the draft. That's fine. We need this to be a veteran who can produce now and get the right guy here. Is it in the secondary, linebacker, defensive line, offense somewhere? You know, I don't really know that it needs to be anywhere. I don't know that they need a big, splashy free agent signing. I guess I would probably lean towards safety at this point, and I would include your own in that mix. You know, if it's not Edmonds or KZ, Get a guy coming from another team who you feel like will fit in nicely next to Minka Fitzpatrick and, again, will be affordable. So, um, you know, you can't you, – you have more draft capital this year than you do in most off seasons. You still can't fill every single hole. So, you know, it's probably a, a trickle-down effect of whatever you don't address in free agency. You're going to be a little bit hemmed in there with having to do so in the draft. So that's – I'd probably want to use my draft resources on the more valuable positions for the most part. Cornerback, uh, possibly an, an outside uh, linebacker, possibly a, an offensive tackle, and you know maybe even D-line. We talked about wanting to get younger there. Tyson Alawalu, I don't mm-hmm. think is going to be back. Chris Wormley, even if he is back, I don't know that he's going to be ready for week one after that torn ACL. So um, those are the areas that I would probably look to the most in the draft, and I'd probably want to get, um, you know, a veteran safety uh, to stay in that role, whether it's uh, somebody who's uh, getting re-signed from this current team or, uh, you know, in the free agent market. We'll certainly see if they go that route. We're going to take a step back from the Steelers and look at Super Wild Card Weekend. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Who are, who are going to be the guys that, that who are the teams that might win this weekend that could be playing in February in the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast in just a minute. But first, we got to talk about Yinzers in the Berg. Yinzers, listen up. The Steelers campaign may be over, but you can still root on your black and gold or your blue and gold, depending on where your Pittsburgh sports allegiances lie. But Pittsburgh sport, Pittsburgh sports apparel, if you need it, go to Yinzers in the Berg. They got two stores in the strip district that you can go to at any point in time, pick up pick up some gear, pick up some merch. But if you can't get to the strip district, they got you covered there too. Yinzerspgh.com has all your Pittsburgh sports apparel, and it grows every week. New merch coming out all the time. If you're looking at gifts for anybody, this is your chance to go to Yinzerspgh.com and get all your Pittsburgh sports apparel or visit their two doors in the strip district. This is Yinzers in the Berg at Yinzerspgh.com. It's 
the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Brian Batko, breaking things down for you. It's time to look look at these playoff matchups now. The Steelers- I also probably should have mentioned in the previous segment, Chris, I feel like a veteran free agent wide receiver might not be a bad idea either hmm. to, to put in with that pretty young group because they're losing Miles Boykin. They're losing Miles Boykin. No, I haven't looked at the 2023 class just yet. Maybe a uh, you know, there a guy named John Smith if he's on if he's available if he leaves Kansas City. But uh, no, we'll we'll have to see. But I think that's another one where you know you've kind of got a little bit of ego management to do. Don't don't you don't you hide who you were trying to say there? <laughs> no, no, say his name right. Who were you talking about, Brian Batko? Well, we know Juju Smith Schuster is on a one year deal with the Chiefs. But I will just say, I mean, you've got a little bit of ego management that you have to do in that room. I think with eighteen, you know, Deontay's got the money. George Pickens has has the power. I think a little bit and. They both want the respect of being a number one receiver. So I don't know about these ideas of drafting a Jordan Addison or somebody uh, on day one or day two, because then there's just going to be a lot of miles to feed. And I think you'd kind of run into the same issue that you had this year with Chase Claypool. So if, if you can get somebody on the free agent market who not only can maybe help mentor those guys a little bit in the receiver room, but also would just kind of know his role as the the number three, maybe even the number four behind Calvin Austin, that that could be a decent idea. That could be a decent idea, and I think it could help the Steelers to get a slot receiver. That's what Juju was for them. Uh, sort of your your tough guy that can help, that can help there. Um, that's not a bad idea. I, they I kind of tried to do that with Dante Moncrief a few years ago, and yeah. we know how that worked out. But yeah. just do better than that if you sign one. Just do better than Dante Moncrief. Easy All for right. me to say. That yeah, right. That's let's let's talk about these weekend matchups here, where we got uh, the Steelers could have been the seventh seed in the AFC, but it didn't work out that way. We'll get into that matchup. But the seventh seed in the NFC, it did work out that way for the Seahawks. They needed the Packers to lose to the Lions. The Packers did lose to the Lions. And now the Seahawks, after beating the Rams, are the seventh seed. But they face their division champs, the San Francisco 49ers, as the two seed who have been on a tear with Brock Purdy running the football, playing great defense, and not asking too much of the, those guys. A lot like the formula the Steelers want to be able to play. Brian, do the Seahawks have a chance? Because I'm picking the Niners. I think they have a chance. 10 seems like a really high number for the 49ers to give. I think the Seahawks will cover, but everything's rolling right now for San Fran. I'll I'll go with them in this game. Moving along here, the Chargers at the Jaguars. I am perplexed by this game because the Jaguars won at home. It wasn't pretty against Josh Dobbs, and they've got Trevor Lawrence and everything that's going on there. Um, and the Chargers, I think the roster-wise, they impress you. They 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 make you say, okay, cool. There and they're getting some guys back from being healthy. You know, there's there's some hope there. But I, I look at the Chargers' wins that got them to this point, and it doesn't come off as impressive to me. They lost. They they, they beat the Rams. They beat the Colts. They beat the Titans when the Titans were falling off. They beat the Dolphins when they were falling off. They beat the Cardinals and they beat the Falcons. Those are all the teams that they beat in the second half of the season. And in the first half of the season, they beat the Broncos, the Browns, the Texans, and the Raiders. I know a lot of people talk about the Steelers not having impressive wins, but this Chargers team didn't have really that many impressive wins. And I look at that and I say, man, the Jaguars at home, they're riding high after how they kind of got there. You got a young quarterback as well. And not like the Jaguars beat some juggernauts, but they beat the, the Chargers earlier this year and soundly. They also beat the Cowboys this year. They beat the Ravens this year. <clears throat> I'm back and forth here. I'm going Chargers, but I hate myself for doing it. 
No, I'm going Chargers, too. I, I think that they are going to win this game. I don't know about handily, but, you know, they're they're given a point and a half at last check, and I, I think they will cover. I think they're coming together right now. You know, they're getting healthy. I think Brandon Staley's a good coach. I think the Jaguars, Chris, have a little bit of a we're just happy to be here vibe to them after winning that AFC South, uh, you know, winning your in game against Tennessee. They're a young team. I mean, it, if it doesn't go their way this year, it's okay. I guess you could say the window's open for the Chargers for a while, too, as long as they have Justin Herbert. But, you know, they've got guys like Bosa, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. You know, they've been through some of these uh, battles before, either to get into the playoffs or, you know, feeling like they had a team that could do some damage and didn't get there. So I think they're going to find a way to to win this one. They weren't all that healthy when they did lose to the Jaguars back in September. So. So I'm going. Uh, I'm going Justin Herbert and company. I, I just in my life, people have always told me that the Chargers are going to be the next big thing, and then they never are. So I'm just, I'm always wary of picking them, but I'm picking them because I just they they have to win this game. If they don't, it's going to be oh a disaster there. But let's move along to the other AFC game. This is the Dolphins at the Bills. Dolphins look like they're going to be starting Skylar Thompson again. This is. I just think this is going to be the ugliest game of the weekend. I think the Bills are just going to trounce them. It's a home playoff game for the Bills. They're riding high. I think they're, they, you know, Demar Hamlin news is great and awesome that he's, you know, made so much progress. Man, I think the Bills are just going to mop this. The, the, the Bills beat the snot out of the Patriots in the opener last, in, in their first game in last year. I think they're going to do even week, worse than them. Yeah. And, and last week, forgot about that one. Yeah, I think it's going to be even worse to these Dolphins. I'm going with the Bills too, of course. But I actually, I don't think I'm going to pick them to cover 13. I, I just think they they could coast a little bit. Mainly because they know they can. Um, you know, I think that, yeah, they're 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 obviously going to win this game comfortably, but 13's a lot. Maybe the Dolphins get a backdoor cover. So, uh, Bills straight up, but I'm going to say the Dolphins uh, cover this wild spread, which it's similar to the spread that the uh, Steelers faced last year going into Kansas City, and we know how that worked out. But I'll say the Dolphins are just a little pluckier, and the Bills are on autopilot to some degree. Absolutely. Let's move along to a very interesting game. The six seed Giants at the three seed Vikings. These are two teams that have been in different trajectories for much of this season. The Vikings are the team that a lot of people have been saying they're frauds, they're frauds, they're frauds. But, you know, they, they, they finished the year 13 and four. Pretty good record. And with some impressive wins on, on their on their register, they, they beat the Packers. They beat the Bills. Uh, they they beat they had a ridiculous comeback against the Colts and they beat the Giants just a few weeks ago. But these Giants they've been they've been pesky this this year. They've they've also beaten the Packers. Uh, granted, they kind of went you know they kind of fell off towards the end of part of the season. The only three wins they've they've had since mid well excuse me only four wins they've had since uh, November has been the Texans, the Commanders twice, and the Colts. I want to pick the Vikings, but something tells me the Giants and their run game, they're going to be a problem, and the Vikings are going to stumble and fall right on their faces. So I'm going New York here. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I don't have a great feel for it. Like, trusting Kirk Cousins in a big game. It's so tough. It's so tough. It really scares me. It really scares me. But I'm just looking at the talent on paper. You know, it worries me, too, that the Vikings are banged up on the O-line. I think they're going to have their center, uh, Garrett Bradbury, back for this one. But Pittman, Brian O'Neill will not be in there at right tackle against mm-hmm. a pretty good Giants pass rush. So all these things worry me, but then I look at who the Vikings are throwing the ball to and who the Giants are throwing the ball to, and 
they've they've got to be able to win this game at home as the three seed. Um, I'll say that the Vikings win a close one, so I won't even uh, lay the three points. I'll take the Giants to cover, but I'll take the Vikings to win. And look, if the Giants had posted uh, a a boat picture with a bunch of guys sitting on a boat, I would have then I would have picked the Vikings. That would have been yeah. I, mean, I would say like a twenty four twenty three win or something because the Vikings when they beat them, it took that sixty one yard field goal uh, right. to to win that game. Yeah, I think it's going to be close here. The AFC North showdown: Ravens at Bengals. The disappointing thing is it doesn't look like Lamar Jackson's coming back for this this yet. It's just like just Thursday afternoon here, but his the status quo seems to be remain, remaining there. So I'm going Bengals, and I, the Ravens gave the Bengals some fits in this in this last game, like the like a good r- r- division rival is supposed to. But I just think the Bengals are too talented to let the to bet the Ravens hang around with them for a second week in a row. I was close to picking an upset with the Seahawks over the Niners. Obviously, I didn't pick it with the Dolphins over the Bills, but I'm going to go with the upset in this one. What? Yes. Yes. What? I'm going Ravens over Bengals. And once again, Chris, this is my move. This is a hedge against myself, much like Uh I did a couple weeks ago by picking Cam Hayward as the Steelers team MVP. I picked the Bengals to win the whole thing, the confetti game at the beginning (laughs) of this season. So now I am simply going to uh, hedge my bet here. Pick them to lose in the first round of the AFC playoffs. I, like, it's not just that. I also th- do think there's some real logic in, you know, the Ravens knew last week that, you know, they had Anthony Brown starting at quarterback. I, I think mm-hmm. they kind of mailed in that game to some degree, even though the coin flip deal was enticing, I'm sure, for them. Um, but, you know, the Bengals, they embarrassed them last week, rubbed their faces in it with the Joe Mixon celebration. I kind of have a feeling that John, John Harbaugh, and his staff and some of his, you know, motivated veteran players kind of feeling they have something up their sleeve and they just muck this game up and they win a close one in Cincy. If they did, it would be a crazy end to the Bengals. The Bengals haven't lost since Halloween. I know, man. They're on a roll. They're, They're on, on a roll. A high roll. That that would be Brian Beckel, if they win this game, we will be we will be crowning you the the Nostradamus of the of the North Shore Drive podcast, sir, with the ultimate pick and the ultimate upset here. But last but not least, Cowboys Bucks. This game is tricky to me. I'm going Cowboys, but I again I hate myself for doing so because Dak Prescott seems to be turning the ball over at will, and it's Tom Brady. I just I you know there's always the t- Tom Brady. I, I I just I have to think the Cowboys killed this. They they, they just you got to and the defense has been playing well enough. The run game's there. You won't need Dak Prescott to do too much in this game. If he throws a bunch of picks, the Buccaneers are going to find a way to win. But I think the Cowboys protect them from themselves and they find a way to win in Tampa Bay. What say you, Brian? I pretty much agree with everything you just said. I don't have you know I don't have a really strong confidence in in either one of these teams in this game or beyond, but right. uh, I think the the Bucks have just been, they've been so mediocre all season. Getting in as an 8-9 and nine team and, and doing damage, I, I guess that would be a pretty Tom Brady goat thing to do, but uh, I'm going to say the Cowboys win this one. Uh, again, you know, maybe by a field goal. Uh, I, I don't think either one of these teams is going to go far in the NFC, but someone's got to win this game on Monday night. Uh, I'll take Dallas, even though I, I don't feel great about it. 
neither of us feel great about this. This is terrible. This is what happens when you're picking uh, picking Cowboys, Buccaneers yeah. in the playoffs. I guess I could have split with you just for the sake of disagreeing, but we disagreed on a couple games. So we've it's got- all right. We, yeah, we already picked different, but it'll be interesting to see who pulls these games out and then who lines up for the divisional round of the playoffs. Brian, with the upset pick of the week, though, if the Ravens pull this off, I there will be oh there will be there will be some crazy things. That's going to be Sunday night. So so stick with us. We'll be back next week to see if Brian, if I'm crowning Brian Nostradamus, or I'm just calling him stupid for that pick. <laughs> but then my Super Bowl pick will still be alive. So yeah, this is again edging your bets. This is this. Yeah. Is- <laughs> I'm a genius. I can't lose, and I can't, I can't never lost. But anyways, thanks so much for checking out the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Brian Backa. We are of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And again, we're covering all things Pittsburgh sports Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right here on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and especially on YouTube. If you like this video, like it, hit the like button, subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of all of these episodes, as well as our daily content that comes out. Noah Hiles and I do a college show on Tuesday. Noah Hiles and Andrew Desta do another one on Thursday. And there's plenty of interviews that we have on this channel. So stay tuned with all of that content right here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.